I've had the ability to ride with salespeople on a daily basis, so I know what they do right and I know what they do wrong. I see their strengths, I see their weaknesses, and if there was a top 10 list of things that I've learned when riding with salespeople, this is it. This will help you figure out what's going on with your sales process and maybe even help you close a few more deals. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's an amazing day. And I want to share some ideas with you and some concepts with you. You may not know this, but for a long time, I rode with salespeople every day. And that's part of my my consulting gig is I will ride with uh, companies, salespeople. I'll go incognito. I'll go undercover. And I'll see what's going on. And I wanted to put a list together for you of common things that I see and common problems that almost all salespeople face. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's It's everybody. And when I ride with people or I'm incognito, part of my job is to be a therapist and to figure out why is this salesperson not selling? Is it will? Is it skill? Is it capability? And let's just say that a good majority of salespeople who are not selling have common trends, have common things that have go on that stop them from having the capability of closing a deal. And I will say this, that if you have somebody who's working with you and you trust them, It's easier if you open up to them and tell them what's going on instead of trying to hide it. And so sometimes I'll I'll be set up to ride with somebody for three days, four days. And what will happen is for the first day, the salesperson's testing me like, do I like this guy? Do I trust this guy? Is he going to be able to help me out? And so they play it off like I'm good. There's no problems. There's no issues. And then like on the second day, they'll be like, hey, can I talk to you about something? And then that's when they open up and tell me about all the problems. And I expect this, so I have a normal conversation saying like, look, I know that you're probably a good salesperson. I know that you're probably you know, just having some issues right now, but the more that you can open up to me right and tell me what you're having a problem with, the easier it is for me to help you. It's like when you go to the doctor and you're like, hey, I'm having some problems. They're like, what are your symptoms? This is the conversation to have with a coach or a mentor if you trust them. It really does help with the, the training process, because when I ride with somebody, I got a, I got an issue of prescription. I got to figure out something that needs to be done. I got to figure out something to help that person. I, I, I have a general game plan. I know uh, if, for the most part, most prescriptions are going to fix most salespeople. But the ability to open up and say, hey, here's where I'm really at, allows me to pinpoint and say, hey, here's what you're really going to need. Number one on this list, super important. A turbulent personal life creates a turbulent sales life. And salespeople will say, hey, my personal life has got nothing to do with my business life. And I'm going to say, whatever is on your mind is either going to help you close deals or not help you close deals. A turbulent personal life is got a car, got a house, got a boat, got a pool. We're talking like big ticket items. Uh, Got a girlfriend, got a wife, got a boyfriend, got a husband, or lost any of those things, lost a husband, wife, significant other, family member, lost a house, lost a boat, lost a car, just it where focus goes, energy flows. 
Tony Robbins says that the best. I'm going to say for me writing with salespeople, heck yes, absolutely. A turbulent personal life creates a turbulent sales life. And the more that you can stabilize your life, the better off you're going to be. And sometimes this means that you got to look at some woo-woo sources, prayer, meditation, yoga, maybe even working out, getting a therapist. Those are all some things that can help. Uh, Getting people out of your life that are time parasites or just horrible people, if at all possible. Number two on the list, plenty of salespeople have apprehension before the sales call. (laughs) What? What does that mean? Well, there's times where I ride with people and the, the salesperson, before we get to the call, they're nervous. They're a ball of energy. They're just all over the place. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I just, you know, I'm worried about this presentation. It's got to go right. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of rejection. And people have real fears. Talking with them, they tell me, hey, here's what I'm having a problem with. Here's what my issue is. And here's what's going on. I'm scared to go in there and I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared of being told no. I'm scared of not getting this deal. And the reason for it is, a couple of fold. One, they 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 know that there's a team depending on, upon them back at the office. Two, they know that if they don't sell, they don't make money. And three, if they don't make that deal happen, they lose their dopamine rush. They lose the ability to brag. They lose the ability to go, I am the greatest man or woman ever and I closed a deal. Which, you know, in my mind, closing <laughs> closing a sale is the second greatest feeling in the world. You pick the first. I'm not going to tell you what that is. Number three on this list, most salespeople will not role play even if it could save their life. It's common for me to go into an organization. I do a lot of in-home sales, so I work with a lot of plumbers, roofers, electricians, those types of industries. And I could tell from the very beginning who really wants to learn and who doesn't. And the people who are up and open to role play and up and open to practice are typically the people who tend to do better. And there is a machoism, like, I'm not going to role play. Uh, I'm too cool for that. You can't, you can't teach me anything, new sales trainer. You can't teach me anything, sales coach. It's really weird. People will get caught up in like, I don't want somebody else to see what I'm doing. And for whatever reason, that's their excuse that they don't have to role play. And then when you're on this list, when you're looking at it, people who are struggling the most are the ones that are the most critical of the people who role play. So if Bob is role-playing and Steve is not doing good, Steve is going to pick apart Bob's role-play and tell him everything he did wrong. You took too deep of a breath. You sat at a slant. And it's just, it's over the top. And the reason for that is it pulls all the attention off of them. Number four. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is an asbestos underwear conversation. Going to hurt some feelings. Just going to say what needs to be said. Most salespeople are lazy. You know, I'm not going to include you in that process because you're listening to an episode of a podcast about sales. But what you think of your competition and what you think of people who can go out there and close deals and make sales happen is a very warped representation of what's really happening out there. And what will happen is they want the easy way to close a sale. So they go for the dopamine rush. They go for the quick discount. They go for the quick price match, which in an up market, they could get away with for a little bit. But in a down market... It burns these people out. They got nowhere to go. They got nothing they could do. They're like, I was making good money last year. I don't know what happened. Like uh, the market changed and you're not a good salesperson. You're not good at what you do. Like if the market changes, you need every ounce of sales basic mastery that you can put together and you need a flow chart. You need a checklist. You need to, you need to know that it's not a sales call. It's a performance and you have to live by that. Number five, 
Salespeople spend way too much time building rapport and not getting to the point. And are you like, are you serious, Scott? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, there is a point where rapport is needed in a sales presentation. And there, there is a point on the bell curve where you go too far. And when you have a conversation with somebody, they know and they understand the flow of what it's supposed to feel like. And somebody who's been out in the field long enough knows when they, I've got enough rapport to close a deal. Somebody who's brand new typically struggles with like, where is enough rapport? And somebody who is struggling, what they do is they're like, I'm going to build a lot, a lot of rapport. And it can be painful, a lot of rapport. Because what happens is if I build rapport, then I got a buddy and I got a pal and I don't have to give a presentation or I'm going to build a ton of rapport and I'm going to talk to people and I'm going to do everything I can so that I don't have to get to the end and I don't have to close. So I don't have to be rejected. That's pretty much the two camps that it falls in between. Number six, buyers get bored in sales presentation and most salespeople say and do the same thing. It's pretty predictable. Like in your industry, if somebody says like, I'm going to get three bids. By the time that they get to their second bid, they're like, this is the same guy. It's the same presentation. It's the same information. And then the third guy gets walloped. They're like, look, sales guy, I had to spend time, energy, and effort with people that I didn't want to. And for you, I just want you to get to the price. For you, I just want you to tell me how much it's going to be. I don't want a presentation. I just want the information. And that's the buyer's fault because they set out to get three bids and what you have to understand about decision-making, when somebody says, I'm going to go do this thing, I'm going to get three bids. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go take this action. Well, one of the things that happens is it's the law of consistency saying, hey, I told people that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this no matter how painful it is. And if you got good sales skills, you got good sales chops, one of the things that you could do is you could say, hey, look, You've been through all this pain and all this problem. Let me help you separate fact from fiction and tell you the truth. What do you believe? What do you not believe? And what you have is you have an amended presentation. And like, Scott, I don't know if I could do that in my industry. Figure out a way to make it happen. Like I, I you could, if, if you're looking for an excuse in any industry, you're going to find it. It's going to happen. Buyers get bored in sales presentation and salespeople don't pick up on it. They don't see it. They're so caught up in talking about the intricacies. Like, look at my amazing thing. There is a time in body language where people, they stop losing their ability to pay attention and their body shifts. And if you know what to look for, you'd be like, I lost my buyer. I got to do something to get them reeled in. We need to go for a walk. We need to change the subject. We need to do something different. Uh, for me, I'm going to teach you my 828282 method. There's only so far that the brain can remember information. And so what I'll do is if you take a look at the clock, I'll talk for about eight minutes about business. And then I talk for two minutes about goofy stuff. So it's like, it's like pause, but there's, there's definite ideas put behind it. So like two minutes could be a story, could be a, a change of conversation. It's just so there's not a ton of pressure on, on the person that's paying attention to the presentation. They need like a little bit of a, like my brain is full. I'm on overload. Let's talk about something fun for a second. So it's like eight minutes, two minutes, eight minutes, two minutes. That's how all my presentations go. When I train in front of a room, I warn the people like, look, what you're going to see is me doing an eight, two, eight, two, eight, two. I want to give you time for your brain to catch up. Just because I'm not talking about a topic doesn't mean that your brain has stopped thinking about it. You got to know that that's how things work. Number seven, most salespeople are not prepared for objections or rejection. There's like seven main objections in the world of sales. I want to think about it. I'm getting other bids. Your price is too high. Uh, I'm not the decision maker. There's your top four. 
Those are the top four that you're going to get. You may have like one or two different in your industry, but you better be good at being able to overcome those objections. And you know what the thing is, is most people wait too long. They don't understand that those objections started way earlier in the presentation. If you were to map it out, like at some point there was a, a place where you were talking and the buyer said something to you and you didn't clarify. You didn't ask for information. You didn't see what was going on. You didn't get a commitment. You didn't find a pain, budget, problem, or risk. You know, it, it, and that's real deal. That's your fault. Most salespeople, when they get rejected, they don't know what to do with it. Like, I, I just got rejected. Well, sometimes it's not rejection, it's regret. You can't be rejected if you didn't do your job. That could be regret. And so there's a lot of confusion for salespeople when this happens to them. Being prepared means that you've role-played. Being prepared means that you can go many times deep on objections. Being prepared means you don't lose your cool. One of the toughest things to learn early on in the world of sales is how uh, it's a dance, how it's a back and forth, how it's really not that big of a deal. And the more that you freak out, the more the buyer freaks out. Number eight, there's scumbags in your industry and some salespeople will say or do whatever it takes to close a deal, even if it's unethical. And if you get caught up in this, this will be a poison. Uh, I want to say in 2004, there was a forum and like this is way back in the day before the Facebook it, it talked about things that were wrong in the industry that I was involved in. And I got really caught up in this and my numbers tanked, tanked bad, badly. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of like how, how I could make this more important to you. Like uh, for real, it was because I was focused on the wrong thing. And I had a lot of bad negative and bad energy in my life at that point, And I let it get to me. Uh, if you get caught up in this and you get worried about it, you're going to present that way in your presentation. And it's going to give your presentation entire negative spin. So it's very important for you to pay attention to what's going on. Number nine, asking for the sale does not happen most of the time. I have sat through so many presentations where the salesperson took 90 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes. And then they get to the end and they're like, all right, well, here's my number. Call me when you're ready. And sometimes the buyer will say, no, I'm ready to do it right now. And sometimes the buyer will go, well, if you're not going to ask me for the sale, I'm not going to do anything. And we get out to the vehicle, we leave the office, we, you know, the, the buyer leaves the office. Know, what happened? You know what happened? Like, you didn't ask for the sale. Oh, well, you know, they'll call me back. I get a good majority of my people on, on uh, follow-ups. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you ask right now? And there's been times where I'll go and I'll say, time out. I'm going to go talk to the buyer and I either go back into the house, I go back into the office, or I grab them in the parking lot and say, look, where are you at in this? Are you ready to buy? And sometimes people say, yeah, I just didn't think it was important to the sales guy. It's your job to make your information important. It's your job to talk through and say, hey, here's what needs to happen. Here's what needs to go down. Here's what the situation is. Let's get you started. It's really easy. And I'm going to give you a super secret tip. If you're in an industry that offers uh, easy payment plans, a lot of times buyers are scared that they're going to get rejected. What will happen is, is they're scared to say, hey, why don't we just put a credit app in? They're scared to do it. So it never happens. And because it never happens, the sale never gets made. They're just, oh, I guess I don't have to worry about it then. And then they're like, they get home and they go, you know what? I probably should have done something. And then you've lost the buyer. It's really tough because all those emotions that you built up are gone unless you know how to anchor. Number 10. Oh boy. Oh boy. Sales follow-ups non-existent. You do not have to be very good at sales follow-up. Now don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't get good at it. I'm just saying. Most salespeople have no capability, no capability whatsoever when it comes to a follow-up and making anything happen. 
for whatever reason, salespeople are scared to say like, oh, I was scared to get rejected in the sales presentation. And now I'm definitely scared to get taken out in the sales follow-up. Because if I follow up, then what's going to happen is my feelings are going to be hurt. And then the buyer is not going to buy. I have an entire episode of the How to Sell show just specifically on follow-ups. Episode number 35, sales follow-up process will close more deals. You know, most salespeople, this is their follow-up process. Hey, I just wanted to call and check in and see if maybe kind of sort of you're ready to get this project done. And that's what it sounds like. One of the things that I'll do when I'm coaching somebody is I'll say, let's let's do some follow-ups. Let's get on the phone. And that is their follow-up process. I kind of wanted to check in and see, and it's like a mumble. There's no confidence. There's no exuberance. There's no like, hey, I'm good at what I do. And the buyer can't see you. They can't check out your body language. The only thing they could judge you on is your voice. The only thing they could pick up on is what they hear from you. And there is a, there's a difference between, hey, I wanted to check in and see what was going on with the project. And hey, I wanted to give you an update of what the situation is. Uh, the special that we're running is almost over. Like there's a total difference in the voice. I mean, that's you're, you're checking out an episode. You can't see my body language. You can hear it in my voice. You know when you talk to a friend over the phone when they're struggling. You know when you talk to a family member over the phone when you're struggling. When you talk to a salesperson over the phone, same thing. There's no difference. There's no change. And all these 10 problems that I talked to you about and I shared shared with you of uh, issues that I see salespeople face, it doesn't matter the industry. I've worked in quite a few different industries, and it's the same thing. These do not go away. If you're like, well, you know, I work in this industry, and that's not true. Okay, well, modify it. I probably have 9 out of 10 or 8 out of 10. I probably hit 80% pretty easily. If you're a sales manager or business owner, like this is the, the, the runway to the goal. This is your launch ramp. This is your ability to get the information that you need. So I'm just going to recap. Number one, a turbulent personal life creates a turbulent sales life. Number two, plenty of salespeople have fears and apprehensions before a call. There is nervous energy. Number three, most salespeople won't role play even if, even if it could save their life. Number four, the tough one, asbestos underwear. Most salespeople are freaking lazy, but that's not you because you're checking out the episode of this How to Sell show. Number five, salespeople spend way too much time building rapport in a lot of instances because they're trying to avoid getting to the close or they're hoping that they can buddy close. Number six, buyers get bored in sales presentations. It's true. You could tell sometimes when they're looking at their watch, if they start looking at a clock, you've gone too far. You got to get to the point and say, hey, here's what I can do for you. Number seven, most salespeople are not prepared for objections or rejection. Number eight, Some salespeople are scumbags and will say, do anything possible to close a sale. Number nine, asking for the sale does not happen most of the time. And number 10, sales follow-up is pretty non-existent. You have so much capability of being better than most salespeople just incrementally by doing a few things and making a few extra moves. And those things will help you close some deals. It'll make you some real money. It just, it's hard work. And the good news for you is most salespeople are lazy and they won't put in the hard work that's necessary. So you could bypass them pretty quick. You can climb really fast in the world of sales if you're willing to put in the time, the effort, and the energy. I believe in you.
Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.